I'm Arlene Vinen for Jeff MacArthur. Let's talk about it. Give give ourselves a little bit of time and things become clear. As the announcement came out yesterday, how Ontario students are going to head back to the classes. Not everyone is completely on board with this. Some people have suggestions. We're going to start with medical opinions as we begin the show today. Dr. Michael Warner is joining us, Medical Director of Critical Care at the Michael Garron Hospital in Toronto. Dr. Warner, welcome. How are you? doing on this Friday. I'm great. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Lots of advice. When you heard the details of this school opening, was there something specific that you were looking for? What I was looking for was the the degree of rigor uh, uh, that we kind of have in the hospital to ensure that schools will be safe in September. Um, I just didn't see the level of detail, the level of granularity, the degree of investment or the acknowledgement of the complexity of this issue to give parents, students, teachers the degree of confidence I think is necessary as we look uh, to September 8th for full-time school uh, resumption. What criteria are you using? As you just referenced, it's the hospital, but the hospital is is pretty good. They have to be, don't they? Medical facilities, looking what matters. Who gets it? How do you stop the spread? It is life or death in the hospital. And this situation is quite critical with children. Everybody's been wringing their hands. What would you like to see? Well, I think schools are more complex and probably just as risky or more risky than hospitals. We've figured things out in hospitals, and that's because we have infection prevention and control experts who tell us what to do, who guide our interactions, who make sure that we stay safe. And those professionals remain available to the government to help them uh, with school reopening. But I didn't see any mention of of using these professionals to guide them. Uh, The degree of investment, you know, I think $309 million, of which 23.7 was allocated towards increased testing capacity, which isn't clear if it's earmarked for schools. You know, that, that's about you know, just over 1% of the overall budget um, allocated to education in the province. I mean, we need massive investment, especially if we're going to acknowledge the fact that many schools, especially elementary schools, where masks will be optional you know, under grade four, are already overcrowded, where physical distancing is impossible, where you know, infrastructure is dated. Uh, there's really nothing to address that. And furthermore, Arlene, let's think about if a child or a teacher gets COVID-19. We already know that racialized groups, underprivileged groups, socially demographically disadvantaged groups uh, are affected preferentially by COVID-19. And if that child or teacher gets COVID-19 and has to return home to their one or two bedroom apartment with five or six people, what is the infrastructure that's going to exist to support that, that child and that family to make sure that that family doesn't get COVID-19 because of the school exposure. Th- those details were, were completely lacking, and those details are really important to make sure that we keep the levels of community spread of COVID-19 low. How would you spend the money? What kind of investment do you think could have been used that alleviates some of the things you're concerned about? Well, I think that not every school is created equal. I, I think we need to walk through all 4,828 schools in the province and look at the teacher-to-student ratio, um, especially for elementary students where physical distancing is going to be impossible, and make sure that we set standards, which are determined by infection and prevention control experts, and identify if those schools can meet the standards. And if they can't, we need tailored investments in specific schools to upgrade them to those standards before school can be resumed safely. We can use other spaces. There are thousands of underutilized office buildings right now. There are municipal buildings, provincial buildings that aren't being used. We need to be creative by identifying new spaces. I mean, online learning is not going to fix everything. Uh, We also need to hire more people, and we need 
we need training. You know, I read through the 22-page document, and there was one day allocated for health and safety training for teachers, and that's simply not enough. Um, you know, which is why trying to you know, get this done in the next five or six weeks will be a massive undertaking for school boards, and, and I don't envy them at all. They need to be supported you know, very, you know, with, with, with you know, a huge amount of support to get this done for September, and I, and I think it's unlikely that it's going to be able to be rolled out in the day after Labor Day in a safe way. You know, you mentioned infrastructure, and one of the things that's really grabbed me that I was looking for is there is emerging evidence, and I think you and I have talked about it, is how this virus is spread. And the reason that masks are being mandated in so many areas is because how it goes out in the air, large droplets, small droplets, but clearly it's it's being spread by speaking, singing, or being close to people who are doing so. And can infrastructure and also some kind of vent ventilation help in that area, do you think that that science, which seems to be emerging every day, was handled in this plan? Well, this is a new virus, and there's no conclusive evidence, I don't think, for anything really, but I think that we have uh, reasonable evidence for some things, and and this is a droplet uh, spread virus, and I think the actual easiest thing to implement, because it doesn't doesn't involve building new buildings or hiring new staff, is is to put on a mask on every kid, staff member, and teacher who can wear one, who doesn't have a medical or developmental or other important reason why they can't. I mean, that's the lowest hanging fruit. We shouldn't underestimate uh, the ability of children to adapt to new situations or to be taught new routines because they're in school after all, and they're used to wearing masks in just about every other public setting. So that that recommendation that uh, the mask be optional under grade four didn't make sense to me as a father of three children who are in grade three or younger, and my kids will be going to school with masks. So I think that's that's one part of it. It's not a panacea. Masks will not fix everything. But the other important thing is to make sure we have low levels of community spread. And as we enter stage three and just about every area of the province today, that's really where my attention is going to be focused on to see what the levels of COVID-19 are in the community come early September. And will they be low enough to enable safe school reopening with this imperfect solution that we have? And and when I say imperfect, I don't think there will be a perfect solution, but I think that we have a long way to go to uh, getting something that's more rigorous. All right. Look at where we've come, though, with the virus. What is your perspective on where we are? I mean, you know, you and I talked when things were escalating. Now they're going down. How do you feel? Well, this story is is far from written. We don't have an effective treatment. There's no vaccine. And, you know, it's it's the summer and most Canadians are outside. So I'll reserve my judgment for probably a year or two from now. But I think that Canadians have done a great job of sacrificing. Many people have suffered enormously economically and socially because of what we've asked people to do. But unfortunately, we, we can't let our foot off the gas and we have to remain vigilant and, and expect that cases will go up and, and just understand as a society that we'll have to accept that to some degree, but at some point cases will rise or could rise to a point that we'll have to roll things back or may have to roll things back and just to be prepared for that. But we we didn't run out of space in the ICU, but we also deferred a lot of non-COVID-related care. And my hope is that the healthcare system can be ramped up to 100% and that school can be reopened safely at some point in the fall, although it's unclear whether for my kids that will be uh, the day after Labor Day. Or, you know, we have over $300 million, which is being um, injected into the system to make this happen. Is that enough? When you when you see that figure and then you see how many custodians are being hired and then nurses being hired, however, the amount of nurses that are being hired doesn't come close to the amount of schools there are. Yeah, I, I, I. 
That's a fair question. So, you know, when you listen to the press conference, you know, it's 500 public health nurses, and it's up to 500 public health nurses who will be hired over time and, you know, be working in an office but responsible for a certain number of schools. I mean, that's not the same thing as having nurses in the school on the ground who are trained in infection prevention control. And, you know, the cleaning supply budget, I think, is $25 million. They're 4,828 mm-hmm. schools, 194 days of school per year. So that's $26.69 uh, per school per day allocated to cleaning supplies. I'll let your listeners decide whether that sounds like it's <laughs> enough. But if you, if, you, if you break it down, I think there's sig- room for significantly more investment. Now, you know, as we look at this, as you said, it depends on community spread. We're, we're heading, at the same time we're looking at this plan, Toronto's heading into stage three. How do you feel about that? There are still some risks as we've been talking about it. There is no panacea. Masks are seen as really one of our biggest arrows in our quiver to fight this thing. How do you feel about stage three as it heads into its first long weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think it's reasonable to uh, enter stage three based on the level of COVID-19 in the community. You know, we obviously don't know all the people who have COVID because not everyone gets tested, but I think it's reasonable. I think we also have to be prepared to move backwards if cases get out of control, and that will be hard for people. So we have to cross the threshold at some point, and it doesn't seem unreasonable to proceed. My, my, the question I would have, I guess, is if it was September 8th today, would we, would we be opening schools today, or would we, would we be opening bars, restaurants, for indoor dining, casinos, et cetera, in Toronto? And, and, and that's, that's my concern, that community spread will increase to the point that we'll have to delay school reopening. But I'm, I'm happy to be proven wrong, and I hope that the levels of COVID-19 in the community stay low and that people continue to adhere to the recommendations of public health experts in their interactions. As you said, this script is still being written, but where are you in the story, Dr. Warner? You were doing one thing, then you were doing something else. This pandemic hit, and it changed so many things. You've come out often and talked about the discrepancy in socioeconomic situations and how this virus hit. You know, with what you're doing on a daily basis as a doctor, with what you're seeing in the greater Toronto area, what's sticking with you right now? Uh, I, I think you just kind of described it aptly. I mean, it's a, it's an evolving situation, and you never feel like you're ahead of it. And uh, I think for us on the front lines, we would love to be more engaged by government bureaucrats and decision makers so that we can help identify the trends that we're seeing uh, so they can act on them sooner. The, the fact that racialized individuals are more affected by COVID-19 is something we saw at the bedside you know, two months before the report came out this week. And, mm-hmm. and we did our best to try and communicate that to people and 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 maybe it was heard maybe it wasn't uh so i just i think we at the front lines want to be heard we want to help um we don't necessarily need to tell people what to do but we love to be included in the process thank you for joining us dr michael warner you have a great weekend thanks a lot take care bye Dr. Warner, Medical Director, Critical Care at Michael Guerin Hospital in Toronto.